podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday the 29th of April, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. If you're a UK expat wanting BBC iPlayer or an Irish expat wanting the RTE player, a Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you want to be and keep that data safe from the miscreants and the ne'er-do-wells. Go to libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, we had one game in the Premier League last night. Manchester United won, Chelsea won. How this game ended in a draw, I have no idea. Chelsea should have been three or four up by half time. United were an abomination. They just didn't look interested. It was like watching them against Liverpool a couple of weeks ago. Walking around, no real fight in the team, no leadership, no purpose. And then in the second half, they seem to get a bit more fight in them. They seem to liven up a little bit. But Marcus Alonso put Chelsea 1-0 up. It's a cross by Reese James, not a great cross. It's behind Kai Havertz. Havertz does well to get a flick on. It lands at Alonso. It's a really good touch and finish. And it is 1-0 to Chelsea. But within two minutes, Chelsea gets sloppy. Nemanja Matic picks the ball up on the edge of their box. Lovely little lofted pass over the defence to Cristiano Ronaldo. Good first touch. Very good finish. He hadn't really been in the game at all before that. He'd been standing around, pouting, waving his arms about, gesticulating showing nothing, but he scores and then he came to life and then he started to be involved a bit more. And Bruno Fernandes, credit to him, was doing a lot of defensive work off the ball. We had some lovely moments where Bruno kicked Jorginho, Jorginho kicked Bruno. Both of them had big cries, uh, probably discussed penalty techniques or whatever it was, how to miss the hop, skip and the jump penalty. And the game kind of played out in a bit of a dead pattern from there. Chelsea had the better chances. Chelsea probably should have scored again, but United posed a bit of a threat in the counter. All things considered, just a very sad affair. Um, Neither team warranted more than a point. Chelsea should have won the game, but through their own sloppiness, their own lack of care, they end up dropping two points here. Romelu Lukaku came off the bench. Another nothing performance from him. Christian Pulisic came off the bench, ran around a bit, but didn't offer too much. 
when you looked at United's bench going into this game, you, you did wonder what would happen if they had to make a change. They brought on Phil Jones and Juan Mata. That's what they did. Two lads that probably won't be at the club next year. Two lads that probably shouldn't be at the club now. Mata, to his credit, was probably the best player after he came on. But it was it was an ugly watch. It really was an ugly watch. Uh, Marcus Rashford with another 3 out of 10 performance. If we're being completely honest about it, Marcus Rashford looks like a lad that doesn't want to play football anymore. United can't wait for this season to end. They've still got three games left. And I would imagine the gap between when they play Bournemouth, sorry, when they play Brighton and when they play Palace two weeks later will feel like an eternity for them. This game obviously had to be brought forward because of Chelsea's involvement in the FA Cup final. And that gap is going to feel like 10 years to a group of players that clearly don't want to be there, don't want to play. A manager who's got absolutely no interest in, in anything that he's doing, as seen by the fact that he has agreed to become the manager of Austria. And we'll come to that a bit later, but the fact that he's been negotiating for another job shows to me that he hasn't been focused on what he's meant to be doing here. So 1-1, Chelsea stay third, United stay sixth. United are now... Five points behind Arsenal with two games more played. Arsenal need four points to guarantee they'll finish above United from five games remaining. And they have a drastically better goal difference. That's why it's only four points. Looking at Arsenal's fixtures, there's definitely four points to be had there. Maybe not many more, depending on how other games go, but they'll get four points and they will finish above Manchester United. Barring an Arsenal collapse, they'll finish above United and you wouldn't bet on United to win their last three games anyway. Uh, Chelsea's season is just turning into a damp squib. They still have the cup final, but if they play like they have recently when they face Liverpool, they will get absolutely annihilated. They were poor last night. They were poor against Chelsea. They were disgraceful against Arsenal. They played pretty well in the cup semi-final for about half an hour. But it hasn't been good. It has not been good. That Brentford defeat, getting beaten at home by Real. Yes, they went to Southampton and beat them 6-0. Nothing Southampton do makes sense. They were good for an hour at the Bernabeu, or 70 minutes, I think it was. 75 minutes. And then... They fell apart. If they play like this against Liverpool, they will get absolutely run over. And they have five league games left. You would think they would want to end things on a high. Uh, in the Europa League last night, West Ham won Eintracht Frankfurt 2 at the London Stadium. Ansgar Knauf with the first goal for Eintracht on one minute and 14 seconds, I believe, uh, a header at the back post, really well taken. He is a very good, very promising young player. I believe he's on loan from Borussia Dortmund. He is. 
20 years of age. He's nominally a, a winger. He was playing left wing for Dortmund and he's playing as a right wing back and performing really, really well. West Ham got back into it. A Mikel Antonio goal on 21 minutes. Declan Rice will probably argue he stole it off him, but he got the tap in on the line and made it 1-1. But Daichi Kamada made it 2-1 on 54 minutes. Ariola really unfortunate here. Makes a good save. The ball just spills and drops the feet of Kamada, who taps at home. West Ham had some good chances. Bowen missed a sitter. Bowen was unfortunate with a bicycle kick laid on. I thought when Ben Rama came on, he really caused some problems for Frankfurt. He came on for Lanzini. The only change that Moyes made in the game, I think he's the one that needs to start the next game over Lanzini. Um, But look, to be fair, Frankfurt caused a lot of problems for West Ham as well. Kamada's movement, his intelligence, his ability to just pick up pockets of space and make things happen, really, really good. The movement was good. They were aggressive getting forward. They were solid defensively. And that was without Evan and Dicka. So that defense can improve. Uh, Danny DaCosta, didn't he play? For, no, that's not the same Danny DaCosta. No, that's a different guy. Never mind. Um, a great win for Frankfurt. A great win. But the tie is not over. 2-1, it's not over. No away goals anymore, remember. So if West Ham go there, a 1-0 win will see them through to extra time. West Ham can absolutely turn this round and win this tie. As can Rangers. Rangers lost 1-0 in Leipzig. Angelino with the only goal of the game in the 85th minute. Rangers rocked up and parked the bus. It's what we knew they were going to do. They rocked up and passed the bu- parked the bus. They had little to no intention of trying to win the game. It was all about managing the, ga- the game and trying to get the game back to Ibrox for that second leg. And they've done that. Now, Nkunku missed a sitter that should have made it 1-0 earlier in the game. But Rangers won't care about any of that. All they'll care about is getting this game back to Ibrox, getting those fans all wound up and hoping that the power of Ibrox can see them through to a European final. Leipzig will be a little bit disappointed. But on a talent point of view, they'll look at it and think, we're a much better team than them. We can beat them over there as well. And maybe they will. Maybe they will. I still think Leipzig will go through. But I think Rangers will make it tough on them at Ibrox. I could see that game being a draw. In the Europa Conference League, the first semi-final we have is Leicester versus Roma. It was a one-all draw. Lorenzo Pellegrini made it 1-0 to Roma on 15 minutes. But as Gianluca Mancini own goal after really good work from Harvey Barnes, who came off the bench, drew the game level. West uh, West Ham, uh, Leicester City had the majority of the ball, the majority of the chances, but Roma looked so much more dangerous than them. Every time Roma countered, Leicester looked like they were about to be carved open. And if Roma's passing had been a bit crisper, if they'd taken a bit more time, I think they would have won the game comfortably. The second leg is really well balanced now. It should be a good game. 
you'd back Roma to win at home, but Leicester will go there knowing they have the firepower to win that tie, knowing that they have the talent to beat Roma. And if they beat Roma, they will go into the final as favourites. The other semi-final, Feyenoord uh, 3, Marseille 2. Feyenoord flew out of the blocks and were two up on 20 minutes. Dessers and Sinistera with the opening goals. Bamba Diang drew one back for Marseille on 28 minutes. And Gerson equalised on 40. Dessers scored nine seconds into the second, second half to make it 3-2. I told you this game wouldn't be nil-nil. Neither of these teams are particularly good defensively. There's a weakness in the Marseille team down the flanks. Central defence, Saliba and Coletta Carr, that's strong. Bubakar Kamara in front of them, that's strong. But Luan Perez, for me, I mean, he is, to be fair to him, he is a centre-back who is playing out of position. But he's not one, not one that I like all that much. And Rangier, the, the right back, again, he's out of position because he is a midfielder, but Jesus Lord wept, he's so easy to get at. There's a lot of good players in that Marseille team. There's a lot to like. The centre-back pairing, the midfield 3-0, Dimitri Payet, but they are quite easy to get to. I don't know why Lerola didn't start at right back. He did come on. I don't know why he didn't start. They've got Arcadius Millic to bring off the bench. I mean, Harat to bring off the bench. I would fancy Marseille to over, overturn that deficit in the second leg. At home, Stad Velodrome, the crowd will be manic again. It was mental for that game last night. It'll be mental again in a week. I think Marseille go through. I think Roma go through. I think that's our final. Marseille-Roma. And I think it will be Leipzig. The other, I, the other one I can't pick. I, I, I'll go West Ham because I think they have the firepower to overturn it. But defeat last night gives Moyes a really interesting conundrum for this weekend that we'll talk about with Guy after the break. Can he really afford to go all his eggs in one basket? It's a big question that he has to answer. Uh, we'll move on to the news. Mohamed Salah has been named the Football Writers Men's Footballer of the Year and Chelsea's Sam Kerr has been named Women's Footballer of the Year. Um, Kevin De Bruyne was second in the men's vote and Declan Rice, bizarrely, was third. Not sure either of them would have been on my three-man ballot. De Bruyne has been unbelievable since Christmas, but he wasn't anywhere close to in the running pre-Christmas. And more of the season took place before Christmas than has now. So I'm a bit confused by that one. You know? Congrats to Salah. It's the second time winning the award. He is one of a very small group of people who have won it twice now. Only one person has won it three times. That is Thierry Henry. You wouldn't bet against Salah joining him at some point should he decide to extend his stay at Liverpool. Uh, this is not so good news. Mason Greenwood's bail has been extended until mid-June. Uh, Mason Greenwood 
will remain on bail until mid-June over allegations he raped and assaulted a young woman. The 20-year-old was arrested in January after images and videos posted online were posted online by a woman. He was also questioned on suspicion of making threats to kill. Greater Manchester Police, Police said it was continuing to investigate online social media images and videos reporting incidents of physical violence. Greenwood was released on conditional bail, which was due to expire on Saturday. A force spokesman said, we are continuing to investigate a report made to us on Sunday, the 30th of January, of online social media images and videos posted by a woman reporting incidents of physical violence. A 20-year-old man arrested that day on suspicion of the rape and assault of a woman and threats to kill remains on bail. An application has been made to the courts to have his bail extended beyond Saturday the 30th of April, but the hearing isn't expected to be until mid-June. The suspect will remain on on conditional bail until the date of that court hearing. Within hours of the allegations surfacing online, Greenwood was suspended from training or playing with the Old Trafford Club until further notice. Nike has suspended its sponsorship deal with Greenwood and Electronic Arts have removed his name and likeness from active squads on its FIFA 2020 game. 2022 game. FIFA 2022. Um, yeah, it is, it is what it is. Uh, Mason Greenwood is a, a very, very silly boy who has likely thrown away what could have been a great career and uh, has done har- a type of harm to his reputation that he'll never come back from regardless of the outcome of this case. Uh, he has done harm to a girl who will probably never forget that this has happened to her. It will probably live with her for a long, long time. And uh, he should be punished. He should be punished. I mentioned Ralph Ranick earlier on. Uh, he has been named as Austria boss. He will also still take on his consultancy role at Manchester United, which just goes to show what an absolute farce Manchester United currently are. Now, as I've said before, the consultancy thing was always a bit of a red herring. So he was at Locomotive Moscow. He'd signed a three-year contract to be their sporting director last summer. And when United took him on, they basically agreed to pay him the same amount of money over two and a half years as he was due to earn at Locomotive. And he took the deal. But he knew they only wanted him to be the interim manager till the end of the season. So the rest of it was free money for him. He wasn't going to have to do any work. He was actually having to do work at Locomotive. He was doing it badly. They were thrilled to get rid of him. So this consultancy thing was only ever going to be a wink-wink kind of deal between Manchester United and his consultancy firm. Not him working at United in a consultancy role. His consultancy firm working for United as and when. But now... Here you go. The deal was to be a two-year, six-day-a-month consultancy role. Six days a month. 
fella wouldn't work on batteries. Now he's going to be earning two full-time wages, one from United, one from Austria, for one part-time job and what's largely a hobby. Genuinely amazing. Genuinely amazing. Fair play. That is a grift. Fabrication Romano would be proud of that grift. He really would. Jurgen Klopp, on the other hand, has done no such thing. And he has signed on to remain as Liverpool manager. That news broke as we were recording yesterday. Uh, he has signed until 2026, along with his key backroom staff. There is an option to extend that deal further. He says his contract will not be decisive in whether Sadio Mane and Mo Salah extend theirs. I think it might be. I do think it might be. Um, if you're Mohamed Salah, why would you go anywhere else? If you're Sadio Mane, why would you go anywhere else? And there's a chance that Liverpool might be happy to sell one of them and reinvest that money in a younger version. You know, sell Mane, buy in Kunku is, is something I've suggested before. Uh, but realistically, I don't think Mane will push for a move. I think he would be open to signing a new contract. It is just a matter of whether or not Liverpool want to pay him the money he's going to ask for. Simple as that. Uh, let's wrap up with the gossip then. We'll take a break and then bring in Guy to look at the weekend's games. Arsenal have registered their interest in signing Marcus Rashford. I, I don't know what that means. Like, did they ring up and just say we'd like to be put on the list? Derby manager Wayne Rooney is Burnley's top choice to replace Sean Dyche. No, he's not. Uh, there is reports going around today that Vincent Company is on the list, which is a bit of an odd one. He hasn't exact, exactly set the world alight during his tenure as manager of Anderlecht. So we'll wait and see. Now, look, Vieira didn't do particularly well at Nice either, so maybe Company is a better manager than what we've seen at Anderlecht. Uh, incoming Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag wants to sign Paolo Dybala. I would have doubts that that's true, but it would be a very United thing to give him an enormous contract um, and have him waste away alongside Cristiano the way he did at, at Juventus. Manchester United have indicated to Napoli that they are willing to pay $84 million. Indicated. So you've got Arsenal registering interest. Manchester United indicating interest. Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, Robert Lewandowski, whose contract runs out in 2023, wants a new two-year deal as well as a wage increase. And to be fair, he warrants them because look at what he's done the last, well, 10 years, but in particular the last four years. Liverpool are considering a move for RLN Chiumeni. They are doing more than considering. Real Madrid want to sign him and bring in Paul Pogba as well, says El Nacional, which is, it's basically football insider in Spanish. It just is. Uh, speaking of football insider, Tottenham will listen to offers for Sergio, Sergio Regulon. I have doubts. Manchester United have been invited to bid for Ruben Neves, the creativity of these journalists is magnificent. 
invited to bid? Did Wolves ring them and say, hi, calling from Wolves, your friendly Midlands club. We'd like to invite you to bid for Ruben Neves. What is the purpose of that? Is it so that when United call up, they can laugh, say no, and put the phone down? And get a little chuckle out of it? That's garbage. I call this one. Crystal Palace are considering a loan move for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I call that. That is Matt Woosnam in The Athletic. I assume he is the Crystal Palace um, the Crystal Palace reporter for The Athletic. Yeah, the Crystal Palace correspondent. He's previously spent several years covering Palace for the South London Press. And I choose to believe you because I call that one. So I'm happy with that. Uh, Southampton will not listen to offers for James Ward-Prowse, who's believed to be of interest to Newcastle and Tottenham. He's not good enough to play for Tottenham, but he could play for Newcastle. Napoli have decided against signing Axel Tunzebi on a permanent deal. He's only made one league appearance, so, you know, I'm guessing you're guessing because he's only played once. West Ham and Aston Villa are the teams in contention to sign James Rodriguez. No, they're not. No, they're not. David Moyes. David Moyes would have him skinned alive and carved up and sent to the four corners of Britain the first time he didn't track a runner. And Villa already have Buendia. They want to keep Coutinho. What on earth would they do with James Rodriguez? Galatasaray and Denmark centre-back Victor Nielsen has been linked with a move to Aston Villa. That is according to the Turkish press. Uh, Good centre-back. Not sure how he would cope in the Premier League, to be completely honest. Uh, He does have a 25 million euro buyout. Dreadful choice of hair. Um, But a good player, a good player without question. Now, he would strike me as one who in the Premier League would be better as a holding midfielder rather than as a centre-back. So if that's what Villa wanted him for, that I could get. And Villa's director of football knows him because he's he's Danish. The kid was bought by Copenhagen in 2009. Not a kid, he's 23. Was bought by Copenhagen in 2019 when said sporting director of Aston Villa was at Copenhagen. So he knows him as a player. That may be just two and two have been put together to get five, but he's a good player. There's no question. Uh, Aberdeen have granted Leeds permission to speak to Calvin Ramsey. Again, it's Football Insider, so you would take it with a pinch of salt. However, I would suggest that they are probably wasting the time. Um, he is very close to a deal with Liverpool. Very close. Uh, Norwich boss Dean Smith wants to sign Cameron Archer from Aston Villa. Okay. Martin Atkinson and John Moss, Premier League refereeing legends, legends of Ref Watch on Anfield Index Pro's post match raw podcast, 
uh, they're set to retire at the end of this season. That is that is tough. That is tough. We have some breaking news. So, Jim Radcliffe, the richest man in Britain, currently the owner of Nice in France, he has apparently, apparently bid four billion pounds to buy Chelsea. That's according to the Times. Now, news had come out that Roman Abramovich had raised the price from 2.5 billion to 3 billion. Reasons for that are unknown. The bidding process is closed. So I'm not sure how this is going to work, whether they're going to reopen the bidding process, which seems to make a mockery of basically everything that they've done so far in the attempts to sell Chelsea or, or what will happen. Uh, Dickinson, Matt Dickinson from the times is the one who's reported this. And Jim Radcliffe has confirmed it. However, he says we put in an offer this morning with the only British bid. Martin Breton has made a bid, although I suppose the money's not British, it's mostly American. Our motives are simply to try and create a very fine club in London. We have no profit motive because we make our money in other ways. So this will be buying it through his company. This could be interesting. This could be very, very interesting. What I will say is that he hasn't exactly spent mass amounts of money at Nice. What he has done is he's been quite aggressive in trying to develop the analytical side. He's gone big on a manager. He brought in uh, Christophe Galtier. But you look at their, their spend in the summer, it didn't blow anybody away. I think, guys, guys saying he thinks he's a Chelsea fan, I think that's correct. I do think that's correct. In the summer, they bought Calvin Stengs, good player. Uh, Justin Cliver at loan with an option to buy. Mario Lamina, he'd obviously done well with Fulham, but not so well with Southampton. Pablo Rosario is okay. Malvin Bard was cheap. Andy Delore, he's a good player. But they haven't spent massive money since he took over. And even, you know, given the spend is probably 40 million euro, 45 million euro, they did sell probably 30 million euro worth of players. So not a big spend. Could be an interesting one, though. Could be one to keep an eye on over the weekend. Um, Matt Dickinson doesn't tend, doesn't tend to get big stories wrong. He tends to be very measured in what he reports. And obviously, look, if he's got, if he's got, um, Radcliffe confirming it, then it, it is it is what it is. But he's not going to recklessly spend. He's just not going to recklessly spend because most of his money is tied up in his business interests. This is a man, remember, that left 
the UK because he didn't want to pay his taxes. Uh, so, you know, we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we will have Mr. Drinkle and we will run through this weekend's Premier League matches. We'll see in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, reading conflicting reports here about who Jim Radcliffe supports. Some people are saying he's a Manchester United fan. He's tried to buy them in the past. Um, interesting, interesting. So apparently the bid would be in and around three billion for the club, and then a commitment to spend about a billion quid on the stadium issue at Chelsea, which is to either build a new stadium or completely redevelop Stamford Bridge. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, I am joined now by the one and only Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am less good now hearing the richest man in Britain wants to buy a football club, but hey-ho. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing is... He's not Roman rich, at least, I think. He's not Roman rich, no. He's not Roman rich. And he's also not Roman personality. Like, Jim Ratcliffe didn't get his money by haphazardly throwing cash around. And most of his money is tied up in his company, Ineos. So it's unlikely that he has huge sums of cash on hand to throw into a football club. This will be bought by the company. It will be an asset of the company rather than him individually going in and uh, and buying it with money from his own pocket. So it'll be similar enough to how Tottenham are owned. You know, hmm. Joel Lewis owns a company and the company owns Spurs. That's basically what the situation will be. Um. But yeah, interesting to see, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens in the coming week. It's definitely going to get interesting. It's gotten more interesting in the last twenty four hours with the news that Abramovich had raised the price. Um, it's taken a so, long time for something that seemed pretty straightforward. Yeah, it is. It's taking a very long time, and we're getting close to the end of the season. Mm. And there doesn't seem to be have been real progress other than a couple of the potential bidders dropping out. There was nowhere near the volume of bidders that people thought there was initially going to be. And if uh, they did, they all really... just joined bids together as well. So Exactly. Yeah. So you had about six different people initially w- wanted to go in on it. That became four bids, which is now down to three bids. Mm. Paluca. Broughton. Broughton and Bowley, uh, plus now this one. So again, it's four bids. But sure, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Just because he's made a bid doesn't mean he gets the club. We true. There's there's been a lot of due diligence done over the other bidder, bidders. So you know he he may not even get consideration. Very true. Very true. Right. Let's jump in then to the weekend's games, and um, and see what we've got coming up. Speaking of dodgy ownership, Newcastle. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I saw the Sega and it was there. Um, but yeah, Newcastle. I mean, the most improved team, I think second most points in the league this year behind Liverpool. They are taking on Liverpool. 
I think they've had a few litmus tests since January, obviously, but I don't think I don't think they've played City yet, if memory serves. But um no, they played City after Liverpool. Right. So this is probably their biggest test since this improvement of form. I mean, Liverpool did have a great record against Eddie Howe teams, about apart from that one that everyone remembers, but yeah, this should be an interesting game for both teams' perspectives. For sure. I mean, City have won 10 games since the turn of the year. They only won one before that. Um, but the 10 games they've won, they're all teams in and around where you think they should be winning. Like, you know, Leeds, Everton, Villa, Brentford, Brighton, Southampton, Leicester, Palace, Norwich. They're bottom half and below. The best win they had was the 1-0 win at home to Wolves on a Friday. That was the best win that the Toon have have pulled out so far. Uh, They played Chelsea. They lost. They played Spurs. They got hammered. Somehow lost to a 10-man Everton as well, which wasn't good. They drew at West Mm. Ham. So Wolves are the only team um, in the top eight that they've beaten so far. They've had a a fairly favorable run. But you can only beat what's in front of you. They have definitely improved. Defensively, they've improved greatly. They were shipping goals at an alarming rate prior to Christmas. I mean, we remember they put they lost four to Leicester, three to us, four to City in consecutive games, and it didn't look good. And mm. you, know, you could have given Steve Bruce, Mbappe, and Messi, and the would the would have went down still. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they were nineteenth at the turn of the year. And then they managed to claw their way out. But look, they are now ninth. It's a hell of an a hell of an improvement. It is bordering on the spectacular how well they've climbed out of the bottom bottom realm of the division. Whether that whether or not they stay ninth until the end of the season, who knows? They've got tough games coming up that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to win. Um, our Liverpool then City, and then Arsenal. Mm. And then they go to Burnley on the last day, with Burnley probably going to need that win to stay in the division. So it's not outside the realms of possibility that after this last run of four straight wins, that Newcastle lose four straight games. This weekend, no Wilson, no Trippier. Uh, Hayden and Lewis obviously out. Ryan Fraser is out for Liverpool. Costa Simicus is unwell, but they're hoping he'll be back for this weekend. Curtis Jones is out. He's got an illness. It's not COVID. It's some sort of stomach bug. And Roberto Firmino is out for a little bit, a little bit longer, according to Klopp. They're hoping to have him back for next weekend, but he likely misses this one and the second leg at Villarreal. Liverpool are rolling. They've won four or five. They've been on a bit of a tear for the last few months. Not necessarily always winning by big score lines, but being very con- controlled and comfortable in games. Since the turn of the year, they've drawn with Chelsea, they've drawn with City, and they've beaten everybody else. They won 10 in a row in between those two draws. They've won back-to-back games since, beating Manchester United comfortably and Everton comfortably. I don't think this one will be necessarily comfortable, but I do expect Liverpool to win, and I'm going Mm -hmm. to say they win 2-0. 
We'll stick with this game for a sec because, like, the next two are very pointless games. I just want to ask about Bruno, uh, Bruno, Bruno Gimaresh, who mm. I, I, I never really watched, I never watched League One, but he didn't ever get described as a player who was basically a goal scoring number 10. <laughs> I, is this some sort of Yaya Toure transformation, or do you think it's just a bit of a purple patch in front of goal? Because I'm sure I remember you and Carl, etc., describing him as more of a deep playmaker or a box to box playmaker type. But he seems to have a he's real purple patch of scoring goals at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Now he's playing more more advanced, obviously. Um, they're using him as almost an attacking defensive midfielder, trying to win the ball high up the pitch. It takes some of the pressure off the defense. When it works, it works. When it doesn't work, they can be quite open behind him. But he's capable of playing any role in midfield, really. Wonderful on the ball, very good off the ball. The goals I wasn't expecting. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I mean... The chip last week was delicious. gorgeous. And the the back heel goal he scored a few weeks back. Mm. No, he's, He's an outrageously gifted footballer. I'm still amazed that nobody else... Like, Arsenal were crying out for a midfielder like him. United were crying out for a midfielder like him. Spurs were brought Ben Uncur as well. Yeah, and I, I you know, you could you could pair those two together, Bentoncourt and, and him. Um, I, I would have bought him over Bentoncourt personally, but yeah, I mean, that Newcastle got a free run at him is bizarre. Now maybe it was you know his agency pushing that move. Who knows? But he's been really good for them. And I, I was talking to Carl Matchett yesterday. And as I said to him, if and when they become a real team who will challenge for major honours, he is the one piece they have that you could see being a starter in that team. He mm. could play in a title-winning team in the Premier League. He's that good. Does he only... Does he what, 22, 23? Something yeah, like he's him. 23, I think. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Gimmerich. He is 24, actually. He's 24. Wow. He turned 24 in November. So Scrap heap. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> Too old. Over the, over the hill. Yeah. Time to find a replacement. Football manager would be sold straight off. Um, yeah. But no, it is interesting. I mean, the same thing we've settled in with Jolin and Shelby and himself in midfield as well. But yeah, it uh, seems to be interesting. But uh, what was your prediction for that one, sir? 2-0 to Liverpool. 2-0 Liverpool. Right. On to the games that don't mean much. Well, maybe they do. I mean, Villa Norwich. Norwich are basically down bar a miracle. Maybe the more interesting team to discuss here, Dave, is Aston Villa, because it'd be very unlikely, but if Everton have an uptick in form, Villa are in such a bad run of form, they could be the one that just drops down. Because you look at the form of Leeds and Burnley, there's a lot of green where it used to just be all red in the form table. And Aston Villa's four losses and a draw, they've been dreadful recently. Could they get dragged into relegation zone? Fight. No, I, I think they'll be okay. They're eight points clear of Everton with the same number of games played. So they do still have six games left, and there's a couple of favourable ones in there. Um, they play, obviously, Norwich this weekend. They play Burnley next weekend. They play Burnley again. That's probably um, where it comes from, though, the two games against Burnley. Yeah, if they win one and lose one against Burnley, they'll be happy enough and they'll stay up. If they get to 40, they'll be fine. Now, if they lose to Norwich and I asked you the same question, what would you be answered? If they lose to Norwich, I think I think it'll be time, as, as, as Fergie used to call it, it'll be squeaky bum time at Villa Park, especially if 
on the off chance Leeds could pull something off. Let's say mm. Leeds and Burnley win this weekend and Everton somehow pull off a win against Chelsea and Villa lose. Then all of a sudden it could get very dicey for them. They'd be level in points with Leeds. They'd be three points clear of Burnley and they'd be five points clear of, of Everton. I still think they'll be okay. I, I They've won 11 games this season. Mm. So they know how to win games. The problem is they don't really know how to draw games. The only teams in the league who've drawn less than them are Arsenal. And that's it. Uh, Watford, bottom three, they're also, they've also drawn as many games. Wolves, very hit and miss. And Tottenham, very hit and miss. They've drawn the same number of games. Villa know how to win games. And defensively, they're not, they're only as bad as Tyron Mings can make them. They're not a train wreck. <laughs> like Everton are a train wreck defensively. Not as so bad as Michael Keane. Yes. Yes. So is Watford. So is Norwich. I, I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I do expect them to get the win this weekend. It's it's just kind of the way they're one of those teams where they'll have a run of bad results and then put together a run of decent results. Like, you remember they lost to Newcastle when Newcastle were still seen as a poor team. They drew with uh, a very poor Leeds team. They lost to Watford. And then they turned around, they beat Brighton, they beat Southampton, and they beat uh, Leeds. Mm. And then they go back and they start losing games. They ended the the losing run with a draw against uh, Leicester last weekend. At home... I'd expect them. I'd expect them to get a win, but this might well be like if they get this result, that might be just that. That's it, you know. Boots off, flip flops on. I think they already the are beach. at that stage. To be fair, they do. There's definitely a couple of them that are like that. Now, Luca mm-hmm. is out. Bertrand Traore, they're hoping is back. Morgan Sanson and Courtney House are back, or are out. Sorry, so. You know, they'll be close enough to full strength other than Luca Dinia. Uh, whereas loads of issues at Norwich. Kenny McLean is a doubt. Josh Sargent is a doubt. Iday, Omabama Dali, Zimmerman and Quebec all out for the season. Lucas Rupp should be back, though, so they're happy about that. Look, Norwich are awful. That's the, the, the short and the long of it is that Norwich are not a good football team. They've won five games all season. And if you're 33 games into a season and you've won five games, you're only going in one direction, and that is down. So I'm going to go for a, a scrappy, ugly win for Villa. I'll go 2-1. Yeah, they should do just by quality, but the beach is a strong place to be. <laughs> That's probably how you describe well, it. Well, Burnley will be hoping. So here's mm. the thing. Burnley will be hoping that Villa win this game and basically make themselves safe mm. because Burnley get to play Villa twice and if Villa oh, yeah, are on the beach point, for both yeah. of those games, that could be six points for Burnley. Mm. It could be four points for Burnley. Burnley would take three points from the two games, but if Villa are just completely switched off, who knows? Burnley could take six points and if Burnley takes six points against Villa, Everton can start planning for the championship. And the player Watford, I mean, what would they be on? That's exactly yeah, it. If they, get six, if they get six points from now, they're probably safe, let's be honest. So, yeah. 
it should be interesting. Uh, just an update on that, uh, Jim Ratcliffe. He is apparently a United fan by uh, Tariq Panja from, I think... Tariq Panja. And I've just seen them say yeah. that he's probably closest to an Abramovich-type figure. I don't know that I agree with that at all. I really don't know that I agree with that at all. As I said, he's buying it. His company are looking to buy it, not him. Mm. If his company are buying the club, he's not buying it as a plaything. If he wanted a plaything, he'd turn Nice into the next PSG. Like, that's what he would do. It would be easier to do it. There's, be, there's less regulations in France. It would be easier for him to do France. it. Yeah. Exactly. There's only one real team to compete with. Yeah. You know, if he wanted to do that, he would do it at Nice. He's not doing it at Nice. He's not going to do it at Chelsea either. It will be interesting, but that'll be hopefully the last time we bring up unless a bid gets accepted or anything. But we'll move on to Southampton Crystal Palace. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The only interesting <laughs> thing from the Southampton, well, they drew too all, but Livermento picked up that horrid injury. Um, yeah. Massive, massive blow. Tino Livermento with an ACL injury. So we probably won't see him again until 2023. Uh, hopefully he comes back fully He could have been an outside and... shout for the World Cup squad. Although yeah. we, do, we have a million right-backs to be fair. He's, he's so good. He's such a good player. Um, massive blow. But but there is a silver lining here for Southampton. He's definitely going to be there next season. Because I reckon there was going to be clubs lining up offers for him. It oh, wouldn't have surprised Spurs, me if yeah. United had made, or Spurs, yeah. Teams desperately need of a right back, right wing back type. I think he would have there would have been offers for him this way. He'll be there next season, and because he'll only be working his way back from the injury come the end of next season, they'll probably get the following season out of him as well. So that that could be a silver lining for Southampton. Him and Alex McCarthy are out uh, for Palace. It's just Nathan Ferguson out. Mitchell and Milivojevic are back. Uh, who knows with this game? I mean, two weird teams. Southampton, the weirdest team in the division. Palace are in a bit of a rut at the minute. They've only one win from the last six games in all competitions, went out of the FA Cup at the semi-final stage. I do think Palace will win this game. I don't know why. I don't know why I think that at all. But I'm going to back Palace to win 3-2 in, in what will be a, a fairly fun game. There'll be a lot of aggressive yeah. pressing in this game. I'm going to go 3-2 Palace. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, just no defence, just vibes type stuff. Uh, now the big one, especially for Saturday, uh, Watford-Burnley, the battle of the relegation zone. I mean, it's a huge game for Burnley. I mean, Watford, if they want to somehow do a miracle run, but Burnley, they're on a form. Yeah, what, what do you think? Burnley are the team in form. Burnley are the team with confidence. Watford have not been good against teams at the bottom of the table this season. They tend, tend to perform well against the good teams and badly against the bad teams. Going into the game, Watford have no Chucho Hernandez, no Cuadro Bar, uh, but they do get Kuchka back, Femenia back and Saralta back. Uh, whether any of them will play or not, I don't know. Burnley have plenty of issues injury-wise. No Ben Mee, but they're not missing him at the minute because Tarkovsky and Collins are playing really well. And he's no Eric Peters. <laughs> and he's that's exactly it. He's going to be the next England manager. Yeah. Uh, Jay Rodriguez should be back. Max Cornet should be back. Goodmanson is out. Westwood is obviously done for the year. Um, 
I'm going to back the Burnley win. I am. I'm going to back the Burnley win. I think now that they're out of the bottom three, I think it will give them extra motivation to stay out of the bottom three. As I said, I think Watford are just, they're terrible. And Watford are in a bad run of form. Four defeats on the bounce. No real fight to them in a couple of these recent games. They looked dreadful against Brentford. They looked dreadful against Leeds. We saw them against Liverpool. They were awful. They did beat Southampton, which was just bizarre, but they got walloped by Wolves. Last weekend, obviously, they got walloped by City. They gave City a bit of a fight for a half an hour or so. Mm. But I'm going to go for the Burnley win. I'm going to go for the Burnley win. Uh, Watford at home have lost their last three in a row, four in a row, five in a row. I think Watford haven't... I think they've won one game at home this season. I think I remember someone saying. Let's have a quick gander at that. Watford's home form looks like an abomination. Let me have a look. So, they've won two games at home this season. Uh, They beat Villa on the opening day and they beat Man United in November. And they haven't won a home game since. So, all they've done is get Oli sacked. Yes. Really... They haven't taken a point at home since the, the game against United. Dear me. Let alone win. They haven't taken a point at home since 10. Their squad's not that that bad. Their central defensive group is, is largely awful, though Encolo, if he can get fit, is decent. And Samir is good in the back three. He's just not, not good in the back four. But, you know, Cathcart, Cabaselli... Truce to Kong. These people are dreadful uh, for the Premier League level. They're grand for the Championship. You can absolutely do well in the Championship season. They have an attack to win games for. They have though. They have potentially a, a top-half attack. Just a shame they have Roy Hodgson's <laughs> Sar one side, Hernandez the other, Dennis and Jeb Pedro through the middle. Um, I feel like they should have just... What's that, what's that mad lad from Italy? Milovovic, what do you call it? He just does attack. They should have signed yeah. got him as manager. Just, just go all out attack. Yeah, and don't even worry about trying to defend. Just go and win every game five four, and you lose a bunch six nil. But you do better than you have. Uh, their whole yeah, their home form has been a disgrace. We're, we're going Burnley to win uh, a one nil Burnley special. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, now on to the next year move on game is Wolves against Brighton. Um, yeah. What draw do you think this one will be? <laughs> nil nil. <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna play the odds here. Uh, I'm gonna go nil nil on this one because Wolves have scored 33 goals this season and Brighton have scored 31 goals this season. Uh both of them scoring, you know, Wolves scoring a goal a game, Brighton scoring less than a goal. A- Maybe I should go one-one. But I, I fancy a nil-nil. They're both pretty good defensively. Um I'm just going to go the nil-nil. Again, this is a, a, a game where I think both sides are probably going to be on the beach. Both sides are, are going to finish where they finish. Wolves will be eighth in all likelihood. Uh, Brighton will be somewhere in that sort of 11th to 14th sort of range, and, and that's just what it's going to be. I'll go nil-nil. Um, even injuries aren't going to change my mind. Samiento... Uh, Lamptey should be back. Basuma is back, and Motor is out. And for Wolves, no Neves, 
no Pedance, no Kilman. Mm, I'll still go nil nil. I'll still go nil nil. I don't think Brighton have enough to hurt hurt Wolves. Yeah, they scored two goals last week. It's not happening again. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that, that's their two goals for this this two games taken yeah. care of. That's April's quarter. Um, yeah, moving on. That next game that actually has some meaning to it. Leeds against Man City. Leeds. One more win. Not saying they'd get it in this game, but one more win definitely safe. You'd probably say. I think they probably need four more points just mm. to be really safe. I think they probably need four more points. Um, not expecting them to get anything this weekend. This is the type of game where City normally roll over a team five nil. But I mean, City did struggle with Southampton this year. They struggled with Palace this year. Maybe Leeds under Jesse Marsh getting that new manager bounce playing with more confidence, playing with pace and movement and attack, City with some injuries at the minute. Maybe there's a chance here. Kyle Walker doesn't look like he's going to be back. John Stones, he's out. Uh, Mendy, obviously, not available. So they're in the situation with no right back. So is it Fernandinho again? Because if it is, that could be a problem for them. I think... They'll dominate the ball, we know that. But if Leeds can catch them on the counter with Rafinha, with Dan James, with Rodrigo and with Jack Harrison, maybe that can cause City some problems. I think you just uh, put Jack Harrison directly. I know they played a bit more narrowly under Marsh, but you just put Jack Harrison or Dan James. No, I'd probably say Harrison over James in this situation. Just Harrison direct on the wing and just target whoever the hell right back is. Yeah. Because it might even be Diaz or something like that. If the, That's the thing. Lefties, it could yeah. be Diaz and go to two lefty centre-backs. Which is uh, a plan. Yeah, you'll hate that. But yeah. if, if they do that, you'll probably think they should lose. So we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, Forshaw, Somerville, Bamford and Tyler Roberts all out. Maybe not coming back this season. Um, oh, look, City are going to win the game. I'm going to go I'm go for City to win the game. I'm going to say they win it 4-1. I'm not going to bother getting myself you know in any way invested in a game hoping that City drop a point so that Liverpool can pick up the, the lead in the title race I think City will win this game comfortably I'll go 4-1 yeah you're probably right you're probably right but two left foot centre backs and it's on um, moving on to Sunday then Everton Chelsea now on paper this is just all Chelsea but they, I mean they should have beaten United let's be honest but they just look so un well, I was gonna swear they're unbothered. Just all eggs in the FA Cup basket, clearly. But I mean, at least try and finish with a bit of style. I mean, the forwards are the ones playing for the future there, and none of them look bothered, really. No, no, none of them look bothered at all. Um I mean, what's the recent form like? I mean, like, what do you... If you were the manager, what would what would your course of action be here for the rest of the season? Get Tammy Abraham back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... Get Tamari back. <laughs> it, it, like, that's the thing. That, this is what gets me with, with Chelsea. And I've been over this before with that. I don't know, like... Would you not be better off if you had Tammy Abraham and Armando Broja as your two strikers and not have Romelu Lukaku? And you could rotate those two. I'd say their combined wages 
were about of a quarter of what Romelu's earning. And they would both want to be there. They would both be far more dedicated to the club. They wouldn't be giving interviews talking about, you know, how they didn't want to leave the previous club. Mm. I always it, find this treatment of Abraham weird because even the year he had him or the half year he had him, yeah, he, he wouldn't play him. him. He left him out must of the squad something. for the cup yeah. final and everything. Must have been it was something a bit strange. Yeah, there has to have been something that went on. There has to have been something. Um, but even then, I'd still just rather have Broya. Like if you'd given me a hundred million and Armando Broya, and I could spend that hundred million on players that I needed. I'd be better off than I would be if I just had Lukaku and no Broya. Yeah, they should have spent 70 mil on Kunde or whatever his price is. But it's the same thing, you know, we look at, we talked with Timo, Tino Livermento earlier on. How are you letting him go? You've had no backup for Reese James all season. Like, yeah. you've had... As he's been a centre-back five years now, six years. That's yeah. Quite a, yeah. That's the thing. And you've had issues at centre-back this season. You've got a... You've got a two, probably three, leaving this summer, including Aspie, and you sold Mark Wehi, you sold Fikayo Tamori. Like, I'm sorry, these are bad decisions. These are not the decisions of a well-run club, and I don't know how it is that Marina gets the hype she does as a football director. I think she's done a terrible job, genuinely. She's overpaid for so many players, she has r- routinely sold off players that Chelsea would be far better off keeping. She doesn't get great prices for them either. Like even that Tammy Abraham deal. 35 mil? 35 million for an England number nine. Like, I'm sorry, that's not a good deal. And then they sold the buyback. For me for we got 21 million for Solanke. <laughs> 21 million. And the buyback she negotiated into it is for double what they paid, what they got from. Like, that's not how that works. Tommy Abraham's never going to be a £70 million footballer. Might be a your buyback should have been 50 Yeah. You got 35 for him. You sh- your buyback should have been 50 And they can't buy him back until after he's been there two years. Like, uh, I, she, she's not very good. She's not very good. And Chelsea would be better off she goes when Roman goes. Uh, going into this game, though, I, I do expect Chelsea to win. No Kovacic, but Christensen and Barkley should be back. No Hudson-Odoi, no Chilwell. Uh, for Everton, no Patterson, no Davies. Calvert-Lewin should be back, but there's no guarantee of it. Donny van de Beek is a doubt. Andre Gomes the doubt. Yerry Mina is a doubt. They're hoping to have him back. Uh, ben Godfrey is out, and Andros Townsend is out. Everton are just, they're a hopeless team. They just, when I watch them play, I just don't see anything good about them. Do you think they'll play I, like they did in the derby? Just 12 men behind the ball, time-wise? Probably, and hope for hope for a draw. But you yeah. can't draw your way out of this. Mm. You just can't. But like, you've got six games fair, left. They'll know the Burnley result by then, so they exactly. might Exactly, yeah. And I think Burnley will beat Watford, which means they'll go into this game five points behind Burnley. And I think they'll lose. I do. I think they'll lose. I'm going to go 3-0 Chelsea. I'm going to go 3-0 Chelsea. And I think when we look at this game, and we when we look at next weekend, just to glance quickly ahead, Burnley, 
play Saturday at 3 p.m. at home to Villa. And I think they're going to win that game. And then Leicester play, or Everton play on Sunday away to Leicester and could potentially go into that game eight points behind. And I think they'll lose that game as well. And then Everton are going to be eight points behind with four games left. Mm. Burnley will have three games left. And I don't know that Everton are going to pick up enough points to even catch the eight points, let alone whatever Burnley could get in their own three games. So I think this could be done and dusted quite early. I, I have I have Everton currently penciled to confirm relegation on the 19th of May when they play Crystal Palace at home. And I think that game ends in a draw. I think that's the day we confirm Everton to the championship. I don't even think it gets to the final day of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I have Everton losing this game 3-0. It's surely going to be some spectacle, the Goodison Park crowd. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll move on to, I didn't check which ones are on telly. The Everton-Chelsea games on telly. This one isn't. Uh, Spurs-Leicester. Spurs major funk at the minute after a good spell. Well, I say major, it's only two games, but two games is the difference in this top four race. Uh, to me, I mean, Brighton and Brentford almost similarly defend. I don't think Leicester have that in them because they won't play 12 midfielders. But I know they defended deep and didn't give Harry Kane space. I mean, Leicester could do that. I just don't think they will. So I think this might be a more promising day for Spurs. Yeah, I think Spurs will win this game. So the big thing here is Leicester have that second leg on the horizon against yeah. Roma. And they're going to have to go full. But their whole season now is, is Europa League. Absolutely. Or Europa Conference League. Um which is also why I think Everton could face a backlash next weekend because mm. I think I think Roma will beat Leicester and I think Everton will get the worst of that next weekend. Uh, Castanier is out. Ryan Bertrand is out and Wilf Ndidi is out for Leicester. Tottenham come into this game. No Tanganga, no Darty, no Regulon and no Skip. Uh, Skip is done for the season. He's having surgery. Uh, Regulon, it's a groin issue. Darty, they're hopeful he'll be back for the end of the season, but they've got to sure. use they've got to use Burran at right wing back though. They've got to add that. They've got to try that. They just have to try it at least once. Oh, anyone, <laughs> that is anyone. Emerson Royale. Yeah, Emerson's just playing so poorly at the minute. Um, it wouldn't even try Kulisevsky there and, yeah, and play Bergwijn or Mora in the front three. I, I think I think look I think it'll be a heavily rotated Leicester team and I think Tottenham should win this game, so I'm going to go for a three-one Tottenham win. I think Kane gets gets a couple. I think he, he sparks back into life this weekend. Um, I'll go three-one to to Spurs. Yeah, they have to start winning really because you'd imagine Arsenal in this next game who moved to who go to the London Stadium and take on West Ham. Similar situation with West Ham. They'll have all eyes on the Frankfurt game on the Thursday. Uh, they've got to protect all their one centre-back. Oh, no, Zuma came back, didn't he? All their two centre-back. No, Dawson's out, isn't he? So it's just the one centre-back. Um, yeah, Arsenal, best time to play West Ham, really. No centre-backs other than Zuma, and they'll rotate the squad. So, can I, well, can Arsenal take advantage of that? That's, That's the thing, but can, they, but can they rotate the squad? Because... They're 2-1 down to Eintracht now. Mm. 
So, like, can they really put all their eggs in the Europa League basket and hope that they can come back in that second leg? I, I kind of feel like they have to take this game seriously. They don't play again until Thursday, so they do get three full days off in between. So I do wonder, now, obviously, like you said, no Dawson, Diop is out, Ogbonna is out. They're going to go back three. It's going to be Johnson and Cresswell, either side of Zuma. It's going to be Sufal and Masawaka as wingbacks. I think he's going to have to play Rice and Suchek in midfield. Mm-hmm. And then... Maybe give... I don't think Ben... I know he played on Thursday, but Ben Rama seemed to disappear for a while. Maybe get him some... Yeah, start maybe start Ben Rama behind Bowen and... Or Vlasic, maybe. Yeah, maybe Vlasic. Yeah. To, to he be can fair, start Vlasic West... behind Ben Rama and Bowen and give yeah. Antonio a game off. And movement and pace will trouble... Mm-hmm. Um, will trouble Arsenal. West Ham, yeah, missing just the three centre-backs, everybody else available. For Arsenal... Saka is a doubt. Tierney is out and Partey is out. Those are two massive blows, and I don't trust their fullbacks at all. Like Cedric. Mm. Now, Tommy Asu's back, so he's good. I do like him. But the, the fella on the left, Tavares, is he's mental. Absolutely. That yeah. you can't trust him at all. To, to be fair to West Ham, I mean, they're in a conference position at the minute. Mm. They play Norwich next weekend. Then it's City, which rotation or not is going to be a tough game. And then it's Brighton, I think, on the last day. So they're two winnable games. and then They're City, two winnable games. And then Arsenal's they're, Arsenal. Arsenal's Arsenal. Say they, we'll just mark them down for lost City. Yeah. But they're three points behind United. Now, those two wins would put them three points ahead of United. But United do have Brentford and Brighton themselves and Palace. So it is possible that West Ham will need a result here. Although it is United against... Agreed, agreed. <laughs> but if United, say United win two of them, mm-hmm. I, think, I think a draw here, they've been really good at home against big clubs this season, have West Ham. It's all dependent on what Team Moise puts out and what the mindset is. I, I'm going to go for the draw. I'll go with the draw here. I'll go 2-2. Yeah. Arsenal weren't great against... United were terrible last weekend and Arsenal weren't good. Mm. They beat United by being less bad. And relying on a lot of luck when Bruno missed that penalty, the referee didn't give the penalty when Cedric swiped the ball with his hand. It's a lot of luck to get in one game. Even the Chelsea game, Christiansen back pass and Christiansen's back pass. All three goals were just disastrous defending. Mm. What Aspilicueta was doing for that penalty, or four goals as it was, what Aspilicueta oh, was doing for that God, penalty, yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. But like the two Enketia goals were were both as a result of really poor, really poor defending. So I'm going to go for a West Ham draw here. I'll go two two. I think this will be a decent game. But if West Ham play a heavily rotated squad, then it, Arsenal should win. If they don't win against a heavily rotated squad, they've no excuse. Yeah, and it should be an interesting game, either. but moving on to Monday game, 
we'll do this one quickly because I think we're a bit over an hour now. Man United, Brentford. Man United, such a well, just a horrid team at the minute. And mm. it feels like Brentford do are one of them teams that like to play the big occasions. A Monday night game against Man United, a struggling Man United team at Old Trafford. They're in good form themselves since Ericsson's came into the team with Tony improving. Um, and Wemo's finally found shooting boots and whatnot. And it feels like Brentford should win. To me. It, it does. And when you start to look at the players United have out, no Luke Shaw. Pogba's out. Pogba's probably done for the season. Maguire's out. Uh, Lingard is out. Greenwood, obviously. Cavani's not going to play again for them. Wan-Bissaka is a doubt. Fred is a doubt. Jaden Sancho is out with tonsillitis. Uh, Ranić said he might miss the rest of the season with tonsillitis. That must be the worst case of tonsillitis anyone's ever had in their life. Um, That's a lot of players you're missing. We saw what they were last night. They were absolutely garbage. They were absolutely appalling last night. And if that team goes in the pitch against Brentford, who I think will be motivated for this one, um, I think they could lose. Now, there's no Goldas, no Jorgensen, no Onyeka. Uh, those three are probably done for the season. But Norgard is back. Ayer is back. Canos, they're hopeful, could make it, but it's probably likely that's the next game he's back for. And Pinnock is, is probably out as well. But... I think Brighton, with their physicality, the speed they play at, I I don't know how United will cope with Tony. Mm. Um, I think they'll cause United problems. I I still think United should win. They're at home. I'm just going to go for the United win. I think it's going to be an ugly game of football. I'm going to go 2-1. And frankly, it could be anything because they're they're awful and Brentford are weird. Mm -hmm. Brentford are weird. Brentford could turn up and get beat 6-0. Because sometimes that just happens to teams who have secured survival, you would imagine. 40 points, you'd you'd imagine they'll be fine for next year. Um, You'd imagine they'll pick up a couple more points along the way because they've got Southampton to play, they've got Everton to play, and they've got Leeds to play. So you'd imagine they'll be fine. Um, I I think I'm going to go the 2-1 United win. And that's a last game. And that is us for today. We will leave you with that, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. And do pay attention to what's going on at Chelsea because it's all very, very strange. See you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.